come stop and take a trip down on my block where you see hidden potential young minds sharper than Ginsu and ain't afraid to speak their mind if they got something against you we standing with you we tackle issues like civic pride hate will cease to exist let's put our differences aside from my side to your side from Dutch town to south side from Penrose to north side from Benton Park to Old North to West End to West Side we bless when we step out we stand down rise up stand together wise up this is Stitch Cast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. In this week's episode, the Stitch Cast has a conversation about the effects of social media with our special guest, Emma Lemke. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Stitchcast Studio. I am your host, Brandon, and I am accompanied by two members of our Stitchcast. Alrighty, uh, guys, today we're going to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about social media. We're going to talk about how, how heavy we use it. We're going to talk about what it does to your brain when you're using it. And we have a special guest here to help us talk about that. And... I'm going to say your name, and then I want you to talk about everything. I want you to talk about your organization. I want you to talk about it all. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Emma Lemke. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So, largely what I do and why I'm kind of interested in talking about social media um, and its advocacy is because... I was super addicted to it uh, for such a long time. So little context, um, I am a student at WashU right now, I'm a freshman, but I've had social media since probably the fifth grade. I got, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, all of the apps that you would normally get like as a young kid. Um, And I was actually one of the last in my friend group to really get them. So I had this really obsessive need, like, oh my gosh, all my friends keep turning to like their phone to connect. Like there must be some untapped world that I haven't found yet. And I was so excited to get on. And that excitement when I got social media in fifth grade lasted maybe two weeks tops. Mm. Um, You know, I've posted so many times some cringy edited images with rainbow emojis and like saying, I'm so happy. And you know, all of that really faded so quickly. Um, And it became though this addiction. So I wasn't gaining anything from social media from fifth grade really into ninth grade. I was using it for like four to five hours a day, um, just mindlessly scrolling and then beating myself up saying, oh my gosh, I feel more anxious. I'm constantly comparing myself to these different people, specifically women in my body. So I'm like altering my own body standards. And then I'm like leaving this app saying, oh my gosh, I wasted so much of my time. What am I doing? But yet I keep returning. So it was this super parasitic relationship. And then in ninth grade, I finally hit like a breaking point. And I I remember I had my phone, it buzzed at like my family dinner table or something. And I had that like Pallovian response to grab for it. And then I was like, Emma, what are you doing? Like, girl, like I, I value control so much. And I was allowing this weird little box and all of these kind of like images to control me. So from that point on, that was really my breaking point. And I was like, I have to take back my mental health. And I really have to understand why this is happening because no one around me was talking about it. And I was shocked because I was like, this can't just be me. So I I started researching everything from like, is social media bad question mark to, you know, like neuromarketing on like platforms and very quickly, 
huge waves of information started to come. Um, I found all of these research studies that correlated like decreased mental health for younger generations that were dealing with social media and that were on it for more time with kind of like how much you were really using it. So I saw all of these studies, but the one thing I couldn't find was just a place to talk about it. Cause I've always thought, you know, speaking and like talking with others is the best way to, for change to happen. It's the best way to kind of push for things that you really care about. So I knew that I really wanted to destigmatize the conversation regarding social media usage because it's like the genie can't get put back in the bottle. We're a technological society now and we're gonna keep having new apps like emerge. It's just, can we push for them to be created one in a more humane way? And then two asking, how can we put like levels of friction between us and these addictive algorithms that will allow us to use social media as a tool and to allow it to really be this thing that we use instead of it using us. I had that idea and that in mind. And then in 2020, when COVID hit, I decided to make the space to have those conversations, which was the log off movement, just a youth movement by teens for teens. And that then spiraled into a leadership group. So we have, I think it's at this point, like over 70 teens from like 16 different countries involved in that. Over a hundred countries have like accessed our, our website online. We have like our own podcast. We have a character ed. We have um, all of these different groups, like a female initiative that's getting started. Basically all of these different routes have emerged to discuss social media and to find better habits and ways to interact with it so that it can be something that's positive. And then also something that's come up from that that I've been working on specifically at WashU is more advocacy. If you've seen the news, you know, like there's the Facebook whistleblower um, and like a large report came out correlating that uh, there was this huge increase in kind of negative body standards and ideals. And it was really difficult for young females to be on social media. Um, and that came out in an internal report from Facebook and kind of the media blew up. Um, so that was gonna be used to really push forth regulations. So now I'm working on a specific project called Technically Politics, which is a youth campaign that harnesses the power of storytelling and recording teen testimonials talking about their usage of social media. And then that's gonna be sent in episodes to congressional staffers and to push forth regulation against big tech companies so that they can't harm children and they can't like narrow market towards them. So that's like a long explanation, but kind of how I'm in this space and what I do. Gotcha, cool. beautiful. If you could estimate uh, when you were addicted, how, how much time a day do you think you spent scrolling? Oh, easily four to five. Um, because if you think about it, one of the reasons that these technologies are so addictive is that you'll be on it for such a long period of time and you don't know it. Um, so that would happen to me throughout the day, really spending four to five hours scrolling, trying to get more followers, looking at my like the number of likes I was getting on images. And you know, the number didn't really diminish. Like as I kept going and as I kept really getting deeper and deeper in these like social media rabbit holes, more and more time was getting funneled towards an activity that wasn't benefiting me, but in reality, it was like really hurting my mental health. And I am someone that I've struggled with an anxiety disorder and OCD. So I didn't know that by entering these spaces, I was going into a landscape that was gonna just like trigger my anxiety even more. Like no one told me that. Um, and if I had a better kind of digital consciousness of the algorithms that were in place, the endless kind of like social media scroll that keeps you addicted. If I knew some of those things, I think I could have better like regulated myself. 
but to a certain degree, it's like, how much should you expect young kids to be able to regulate themselves? Like if they're these young kids that are getting social media for the first time, like how much should be on them to do that? And then how much should just be an expectation put on big tech companies not to like advertise and neuro market and make addictive technologies for children? Definitely. Does the anxiety come from the fact that people use uh, social media as kind of like, a, for lack of a better phrase, a highlight reel and that we kind of interpret that to be what they look like and what they do every day? Yeah, no, for me personally, that was it. Like a lot of times when I have conversations with teens and even like adults, um, that is one of the biggest kind of stressors that appears is it's like, for young kids, you're scrolling through Instagram and you're scrolling through Twitter, TikTok, and so, especially Instagram largely, and you see all of these images. And it's like very easily, if someone could look on my Instagram or, or they could look at it like two, a few years ago and think, oh my gosh, she's having the best time of her life. She's constantly happy. Um, but that never shows the full picture. But it's right. like when you're just scrolling, people are always gonna wanna post the best pictures of themselves. And since there's this huge rise in editing, so many girls have begun to use apps like Facetune to like alter the way that they look. So that's further perpetuating this like cycle of scrolling and feeling terrible about yourself when you can't like meet these standards or when you're not like as happy as everyone else seems. And I'm putting up air quotes, um, but it really just makes this really like horrific cycle where people are buying into the highlight reel when in reality, like no one can achieve it. And that again, that of course causes anxiety for young kids that are wondering why their life isn't as perfect as it might seem on social media. Wow. How much time do you still spend on social media? Do you think? Too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to spend my entire day on Reddit from the mm -hmm. time I woke up to the time I went to sleep and I was addicted. I wasn't so much addicted to like the idealized beauty standards, mm -hmm. but I was addicted to arguing, to mm -hmm. outrage. And I just doom scroll and it just, it consumed me. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. like, when, when you say doom scroll, what are you uh, describing? Uh, just scrolling and like reading all the bad news and just reading all these bad experiences from other people like i know people need a place to vent but i was just reading purely other people venting a lot or just any kind of far right extremist i mean that was destroy my mental health and I need to focus on my life, not what other people are doing. Definitely. Um, with the pandemic and the lockdown, people are, uh, for the most part, or uh, at least at one point, were stuck in their houses for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, social media was definitely one of the mm -hmm. go-tos for entertainment or to escape the uh, four walls that you were stuck in. On the other end of that, now that the world is opening back up a little more, and granted, we have a new strand of COVID now, so mm -hmm. we might mm -hmm. it might close right back up. Mm -hmm. But um, on the other end of that, do you think that social media combined with the pandemic, and this is a question for everyone, do you think that social media combined with the pandemic made us a little more antisocial? I would actually say that it made us more social in a weird way. Um, and I think it's because with social media prior to the pandemic, and this is the one thing you'll, the one benefit that I'd say of 
um, that I've seen from COVID in my own world is that prior to the pandemic, you had this society that was largely like oblivious or wouldn't really want to talk about um, connecting with people and how connecting in person is much more real and it can be like much more beneficial to someone's mental health. Like this conversation is so much more impactful to me if I'm sitting right here rather than like if I'm messaging you something um, on social media. And I think that for the first time, a large portion of society and of our population began to see that because when they like didn't have the option to be in person, when that was taken away and it was taken off the table, I think more people were cognizant of like how much better in-person connection is rather than supplementing that with social media. So like for me, all of my friends, the second things opened up again and we could like see each other, it was constant. I, I noticed people not turning to their phones more, kind of throwing them down. And that would have like never happened prior. So I, I, I really hope that that carries over. It, it doesn't just like diminish and, and dissolve. Um, but I am worried that, you know, it was one, a one-time thing and then we might kind of go back into the everyday rhythm of, okay, let's opt to like for social media to connect when we can be in person. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. What about you too? Um, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it because I agree that it has made us more social, like in person, but also on the other end, at least for me, I'm more social online with my friends. Like I could write paragraphs, but like being in front of them, I'm like, uh, so what did you eat for dinner last night? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like afraid to ask it. And it's like, it's the simplest question, but yeah. And then on top of that though, I want to add that I think that it also might go back to the way that we were just like on our phones all the time mm -hmm. especially with the new metaverse that's gonna happen so facebook mm -hmm. because like that's gonna be like all virtual basically preparing for like us to have like a forever shutdown so that we could live inside the alternate reality it's like it's yeah. scary it like when when i say this to people like They'll say, Emma, why did you, why are you so passionate? Like, why do I care so much about digital well-being and then like pushing forth regulation? And I feel like once you read stuff like that, once you see the facts and the studies, it is so hard to turn away. And that's one of the reasons why I created Log Off and that I'm pushing for all these conversations is because if more people can become conscious, hopefully we won't need another pandemic or we won't need a metaverse um, to really store a connection in it. We'll, we'll be able to kind of see that Yes, social media, as we could see with the pandemic, it kept us connected. Like it was there and I'm so glad that it was because for a lot of reasons, like that was what I had to connect and see my friends every day was what they posted. But on the other hand, it's like that needs to be a tool. It doesn't need to completely replace the way that we interact with people. And because it's not real, it, it is this kind of filtered reality. Definitely, what do you think? I think it's both. Emma has a point, like it's making people realize how important social connections were, but on the other hand, being stuck inside, socializing mostly through social media due to the pandemic, we kind of forgot our social skills as well. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think, um, I don't know if I'm more anti-social, but I definitely have a social anxiety that I yeah. didn't have before and especially with this position i kind of notice it more like i just had to talk to a parent of a new recruit earlier today and i noticed myself like almost like hyperventilating or whatnot uh when i walked into the uh, other room mm -hmm. they were filling out paperwork and i walked in the other room and i didn't even realize i was breathing so hard 
I was like, yo, what's going on? And I've never had that mm-hmm. problem before. So uh, I think it's definitely given me a little bit of social anxiety. And that might have made me a little antisocial. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't want to talk to people, but I don't want to feel that anxiety that comes with having to interact sometimes. Which is crazy. Uh, I wonder uh, if I need therapy or something to get over that. <laughs> well, that's like the scary part because it's like, yeah, um, I, I felt the same. There have been so many situations where I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I start a conversation? Like, how do I keep this going? Exactly. Because um, we haven't had practice for so yeah. many months. But it's also like in order to avoid that social anxiety, I, I then can turn back to another form of connection in air quotes. Again, that gives me more anxiety. So it's like, oh my gosh, it's just this world of anxiety. So a lot of times... It, it can be hard to balance, you know, which form of connection you really want to engage with. Um, and I always try to opt for kind of like the awkward situations, no matter how challenging they can be, especially after the pandemic. But I completely, I completely agree with all of y'all that it's a super complex like question and it, there's not one answer. Definitely, definitely. Hey, what's up, everybody? You know what time it is. It's time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts Interlude. That's right. It's time to pick the city up. This week, we have a Story Stitches original song entitled Good For Your Health. People, our people are dying from left to right. It needs to end now. We can't continue to live a life without resources. We're all sisters and brothers in the hands of the greatest. We must unite for this common cause, for each other's health. It all starts now. Now. Broccoli. Broccoli. It's all good for your health. Yeah. It's good for your health. It's all good for your health. Give me cabbage, empty yep. carbs. I can't handle they do damage. I need balance, healthy habits. I'm hey. gonna grasp it, got a salad, take a pic, post to Snapchat, hey. meal planning. It's my hashtag cardio in the morning. Fruit smoothie with the oranges. Y'all stay on it, but don't be sleeping on healthy eating. Time be creeping up on you and your body. Start reaping every seed that was sown. Good or bad, it will show. Red meats, cut them low to me. Sweets, gotta go. All your teeth gon' hit the flow and do to work on cost more. Just gotta let you know that the stuff that you eat can change your life. But you decide in the end just how it go You won't regret it later on Show up, so I bounce life with exercise and help ease all good vibes. You only get what you put in, so best believe that I'm eating right. And you may think what's right is wrong, what's wrong is wrong, what's wrong is right. But eating healthy is always right. But eating healthy is always right. We got these food deserts placed in our hood. Don't gotta walk far to find what's cheap and good. But when I go to the store, I'm not falling for the tricks. Put down the soda and candy and grab a water and try it. It may seem lame, but at least I'm fit. Five for two fruits and veggies, and 
I'm still lit. If we wanna beat the system, man, I live by jeans. We gotta be conscious, become health clean. Now, broccoli. Broccoli. It's all good for your health. Yeah. It's good for your health. It's all good for your health. I noticed that uh, even uh, the celebrities that seem to always be living their best life on social media, a few of them have uh, come out saying, I don't like that I feel pressured to always mm-hmm. live at this high level or whatnot. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of nice to, to hear that people that at least society views as living on the top mm-hmm. also feels that uh, pressure and sometimes would rather be somebody that nobody paid attention to mm-hmm. you're pretty unplugged but how does uh at least uh when you would scroll or whatnot how did how did social media influence your view on people oh well i still like i still struggle um and i i kind of refused at one point when i when i initially knew that there was an issue i completely unplugged deleted instagram deleted snapchat and now i kind of when i started log off i decided okay no for me personally, it's an individual decision for everyone. I need to learn how to use these in a proper way. Um, because one, it's the only way I can like send a funny meme to my sister who's like yeah. miles away. And I, I really went through and I said to myself, what are the benefits and what do I want to gain from these? And then how from those kind of reflections can I then tailor my experience to be better? Um, so from there, like I still struggle with social media, especially entering college um, and putting in those levels of friction, whether that be through like the the app where you can monitor your time and limit it. Um, I have certain apps like Moment that tells me how long I've been on social media. Again, putting in those levels of friction so that the addictive technology can't affect me as much as it wants to. But again, even when I put in those levels of friction, I'm still going up against a super addictive algorithm. Um, So I remember when I was kind of in that place of not understanding the full kind of extent of how complicated and convoluted the algorithm is and specifically the the means of tech companies and how 
how hard they really wanted to advertise towards me and track me. When I didn't realize that, I would be scrolling and if I clicked one thing related to, I remember I went down one rabbit hole. I clicked one thing related to like a workout video and then very easily it started showing me like how to how to like change your body, how to um, eat better. And it's like, sure, in theory, it's feeding me what it thinks I want, but all of that is then creating such a toxic environment, especially for young girls. And it was the same with people. Um, like if I clicked on one image of a celebrity or of a friend and I saw that they were super happy and with all my other friends, it made me pissed off and it made me angry. And in reality, like I should have known they're just getting caught up in the highlight reel that I'm also getting caught up in. But again, social media feeds you this, this false notion of a reality that it can be really hard to detach and step back and say like, my friends are not trying to like bully me or they're not trying to like not include me. In reality, they're just putting out an image to show that they did something because our society is saying, you know, Pixar, it didn't happen. Like that stupid phrase, um, mm -hmm. which it has more truth to it than I'd like to give it. Um, but that's largely kind of how it affected me. And again, like it, it's really scary looking at like the democracy dilemma. You can really get fed such specific information and be closed off to a world around you that you didn't know. And that's why it makes kind of um, elections so dangerous. And, and that's another reason why I've gotten really into um, digital well-being is because I can see how that can be weaponized in such harmful ways. Definitely. Yeah. Let's go back a couple questions. I'm interested in how social media influences your views on people. Uh, I lost faith in humanity when I started doom scrolling like that, like really, really toxic to my mental health. Yeah, I definitely get that. Uh, I've definitely learned that uh, because social media gives everybody a voice, uh, what I found is that no matter how crazy of an idea you might think something mm -hmm. is, there's there's a group of people somewhere that agrees with that crazy idea, mm -hmm. regardless of what it is. I promise you, <laughs> I promise you, I promise it's you, what, what, whatever you thinking, like, 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 oh, nobody feels this way. Yes, they do. Literally. They do. And there's a community willing to support that idea. Yeah. And I think that there's like something that's cool to say about that. And like, if you feel isolated um, and if you have like an idea or if you want to find a community of people, social media can be the tool to connect you. Mm -hmm. But then also I agree with you where it's like, there are certain things to be said about how, what does that connection even mean? Like how close are you gonna be able to get with them? And then two, it really does provide a platform to ideas that can be really polarizing and detrimental to society. And like there are statistics out there and I don't wanna get them wrong, but like specifically algorithms will promote fake news and things that are much more polarizing because it will get more clicks and views, um, which is again, just so scary to think about, especially when like if you start doom scrolling, you can get into that cycle where you're only seeing things that will specifically make you worse and that can so quickly begin a spiral that you can't get out of and for such a young audience that a lot of these apps um cater towards i just don't understand how there can't be more regulation to halt that because that can lead so quickly to like higher rates of suicide and depression and anxiety and it's like do we really want to allow these like big corporations to really harm a whole generation and then the next generation and the next and the next like when will it be enough it's definitely. a huge mental health crisis definitely this question wasn't planned until later in the podcast but 
we're kind of already talking about uh, algorithms and whatnot. So, um, do you guys think that social media would be better with or without algorithms? Does the system of algorithms need to be refined? What What is the perfect algorithm? I think that's a difficult question because... Okay, so, okay, I got the perfect example. So, like, I think it helps but harms because, you know, our technology listens to us. So, like, if I just walked around my house all day and left my phone, like, on the main table and I said diapers for, like, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I'm going to be seeing diaper ads right, right, for, right. like, three months. Yeah. So, I think that's how it harms you. But I also think that it could be helpful because it could catch people, like, that are, like, really bad, that are in their houses talking about bad things. Mm-hmm. And then the, whatever, the FBI man. <laughs> It's like, interesting. Why are they getting all these ads for these things? Right, right, But yeah, right. Um, I don't know. I think it's good and bad. That's just my take on it. Gotcha, gotcha. What about y'all? Uh, I would think that we'd be better off if we defaulted to chronological order or some other kind of order and not use algorithms. When you promote content based on engagement, the most engaging thing is what gets to the top and the mm-hmm. most engaging thing tends to be the most polarizing yeah. or the uh, most outrageous. I get that. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely pros and cons to both ways, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't wanna have to scroll through a bunch of golf posts to get to <laughs> whatever it is I'm interested in. But I definitely get the harm in it. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, no, I completely agree where it's like one of the reasons, you know, all these big tech companies and all these apps appear because it's a race to see who can have the best algorithm. And at this point, a lot of my friends, when I've asked them, who do you think is one? They'll say TikTok because they're like, my for you page knows me better than anyone. And it's like, (laughs) yes, have they sent me wonderful, funny content that has been sent to them because of the algorithm? Yes. But it also is extremely problematic when you're tracking someone that well to, in, in order to feed them these like pieces of information. And then it's like when you have that power, what else can you feed them? What you can do is you can slip in an ad. You can track them to see click rates. And again, exactly um, with what you said, is like you can very easily see that algorithms are not people. They're going to push forth stuff that will get the most views. And I think that the way in looking at it is not really can we get rid of the algorithm, but it's like, how can we push for apps and companies to make these algorithms in a more humane way? Like, mm. I, let's prioritize like mental health and people. Let's get rid of likes and like comments. Again, that's my dream world. Um, but it's like, how can we really shift the focus to it being more humane? And I think organizations like the Center for Humane Technology, they really do a good job like uplifting that notion of we need it to be more humane because it's not going to go away because we're like built on this attention economy. All these apps are just trying to get your attention for longer um, and the algorithm promotes that and allows them to do that. And then I think one really cool thing that I found in the past year is like this app called Blue Fever and they their tag is like, we're not social media, we're emotional media. And it's like even things like that from shifting um, from this like social tool to one that's based on emotional that doesn't track you as extensively. Those shifts are so important to creating algorithms for the future that we can see will like not harm us, but act as the tools that they were meant to act as and to be in society. Wow. What, what's the name of the app? Blue Fever. It is phenomenal. And like, I know that if apps like that appear, then it's like you're setting the precedent for every other app because then it's like ethically and in 
for publicity, it's going to look bad if you continue to use an algorithm that's going to harm people. So it's like if we can make that the mainstream um, and if we can make apps really focus on its users, again, not as users, because that's another thing. Why is it that social media companies call the people in their audience users when the only other industry that does that relates to drugs? And like, wow. Yeah. So think about that, like tobacco users and then social media users. So it's really dehumanizing and if we can put users and put the human back in that then i think we'll see a lot of important changes definitely mm-hmm. i think uh validation and dopamine are pretty mm-hmm. pretty addictive like the most addictive thing like who doesn't want to like be validated who doesn't want to get that comment that as a girl like gorgeous beautiful right. like it feels wonderful in the moment but it's so fleeting especially when i can scroll and go to my other friend and be like she got 20 more comments than me. Like, what am I doing wrong? Right. And that can just be like such a horrific cycle for any person to kind of jump into. And it's like never before have we had to like be in this social universe where there's so many likes and possible connections out there that that can be really overwhelming. Definitely. Yeah. And like Definitely. with TikTok, there's a really thin line between like, um, knowledge and uh self-diagnosis mm-hmm. like it's so quickly that you could learn something and in the next five minutes you're like oh i definitely have that and it's like <laughs> yeah. you didn't even yeah. do your research you were just on tiktok for 30 right. minutes yeah i think I, I think i was um let's call it debating mm-hmm. with somebody on social media <laughs> uh which which everybody does mm-hmm. right and uh i think they tried to use something that they found on tiktok to mm-hmm. prove their point i'm like yeah, that's tiktok that's my it's not webster and nothing, nothing like that it's yeah. not you can google it somebody made a video and posted it yeah you can't take that as fact that's not even that's not yeah. fair it's not fair what are you doing <laughs> but you but you know what people a lot of people uh it does seem to be common practice for people mm-hmm. to um you know like they might read like the headline mm-hmm. of an article that's on facebook or something and be like oh i knew it I knew it. You didn't even read the article. Mm-hmm. You didn't even read the article. You just read the headline, mm-hmm. and, and and then you walked around as if you were an expert on the on the subject. And that seems to be what a lot of people are doing. I think very few people actually fact check exactly uh, what they're reading. I Google everything. Mm-hmm. I Google every like it's, it's like second nature at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna Google the thing about mammals and hippopotamuses <laughs> later. Like I I don't know. It's just yeah, it's it's necessary, especially like you said. When I, I feel personally for myself, like being on social media more makes me just it makes my attention span decrease a ton. Like I'm not gonna want to sit and like read a super long article because I'm used to just scrolling and quickly right, seeing right. things. So. I feel like there has to be, again, there has to be a shift or there has to be some conversation to be had regarding, no, you need to stop. And if you're going to use something, if you're going to quote something in a debate or in any context, like know that that fact is correct. But then also it's the same conversation of like, well, should these platforms even be promoting fake news? And like, how do you stop that? That's such a complicated question because everyone has their own bias. So fake news and like, information that's going to want to get put out is different for everyone so it's, it's really difficult to like have that conversation and define that line um and i just i think it's funny that you said like why would you quote a tiktok video for me i see whenever my sister um sends me a tiktok video or tries to use it in an argument i'm always <laughs> like would you use wikipedia and like a in a paper like for for me as a kid that was such a big deal teachers were like don't use wikipedia like mm-hmm. you can't correct that like that's not academically okay and for me i'm like how is that different right. now with like TikTok and all of these other apps? 
Yes, it can be used to help your arguments, but it also has to be fact-checked in different ways and with different sources. Definitely, mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, I didn't realize this till you said it, but yes, social media has definitely decreased my intentions, man. Definitely, mm -hmm. sometimes I see like a super long caption on a post and I'll almost be offended that you thought I was about to read that. No, like, you think I'm going to sit here for 10 minutes and read yeah. that? Interestingly enough, another person posted something. They, they basically were like, just read the comments. Mm -hmm. And they put like the information in like bite-sized chunks mm -hmm. in a bunch of comments. And you know what? I read that information. Mm -hmm. I read that information. So, uh, and what's crazy is it wasn't any shorter than the other person's was. It was just in chunks. It was digestible. Mm -hmm. And even now, like songs are shorter. People listen to albums less mm -hmm. now. Um, songs. I'm a I'm a musical artist, so so that's how I like interpret everything. But uh, like like a, the average hip hop song used to be uh, used to have three verses in it, uh, and about three or four repetitions of the chorus. So uh, the song will come out to maybe like four four and a half minutes. Now that's a real long song. Mm -hmm. I just listened to a Polo G song that was a minute and a half. Which is scary to me because I don't want I don't want music to become songs that's just a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. But uh, but still, like everything seems to be uh, getting shorter. Mm -hmm. Or even with like uh, that, there's definitely a lack of patience. Yeah. Or I don't know. Maybe it's a different type of patience. I don't know. It's like I um I'm spoiled now with like streaming platforms. I don't mm -hmm. I don't watch live TV no more. Mm -hmm. I get offended at the sight of a commercial. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, or, or or even uh ep episodic weekly episodic mm -hmm. TV. Like, what? You want me to wait a week? <laughs> you want me to wait a week for the next? Absolutely not. So I have to wait for the entire season to be out. And I watch it on Netflix or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I get offended when Hulu plays commercials. Like, I'm paying for this. Literally. I'm paying for this. You playing me commercials? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I'm I'm spoiled like that. So, uh, social media and, uh, I don't know, this, this is just a really, like, this is like a, we live in a world of, uh, like, instant gratification now. Exactly. So... Everything is supposed to happen quickly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Amazon delivers in two days. Exactly. Literally. If my stuff take three days, I'm angry about mm -hmm. it now. Like, what? Mm -hmm. What? You want me to wait a week? Like, yes, it's coming from Argentina. What? Oh, wait. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, so that's definitely, um, it's definitely, like, killed my patience and my attention span, mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know. Are y'all are y'all less patient now? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> easy. You think about it, guys. Yeah, I was, absolutely. I was waiting to answer because, like... <laughs> Cause like um, when you think about it, regular commercials are like a minute long. Mm -hmm. But now that we have TikTok and TikToks are sixty seconds, it's, it's like why is this commercial so long? But it's just a commercial. It's the same amount of time as a TikTok. So I don't know. It's so weird. It's boring. Yeah. It ain't the same. Ain't nobody boring. nobody's throwing anything at the screen. I'm saying do a dance or something. I don't right. know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Please do a flip. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or something. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. St. Louis Story Stitches is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Visit on the web at arts.gov. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitches art programming is provided by the Lewis Prize for Music Accelerator Award, the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2021. Lush Corporations, the Charity Pot, the St. Louis Violence Prevention Commission, and Recast. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches. Story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. Story stitches.